we're going this morning our back to the basics and it may seem some uh, a little more like teaching than preaching uh, I, I don't always know what the difference is other than volume and uh, something like that and I don't spit as much but um, but we want to get to our, you know, how many knows the most fundamental basic of the Christian faith? Salvation. Uh, well, Pastor, you're preaching to a, 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 a crowd that's probably uh, all saved, and I pray that that is the truth this morning. Uh, but I think that it's important that not only are we saved, but that we know why we are saved, and that we're able to present that gospel clearly to those that are around us. And so I want to this morning, and, and, and be open. Um, if the Holy Spirit pricks your heart or, or pricks your spirit, or maybe online this morning, if someone is watching, that uh, the Holy Spirit pricks their heart in the area of salvation. It is God's will that all are saved and that none perish. Uh, that's God's plan. That's God's will. That's what God desires to happen. But God set something in motion that gave us free choice. Uh, sometimes I, I, I feel like, Lord, we'd be so much better off if we just didn't have free choice. But that's not what God created man for. God already had uh, an angelic beings and angelic forces around him that were created for the purpose of worship. God desired to have mankind that would choose to worship him. Uh, and, and that's where uh, we, we began with the gospel. That's where we began with the teaching of, of salvation. And so I want to, uh, this morning, let's just, we're going to just throw a few verses out there. I don't think you can hardly talk about salvation without starting with one of the verses that you probably learned first, if you've learned any verses in the Bible, and that's John three sixteen. Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So go on. For God did not, this is important, church, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. How many knows that? And then let's, let's go on to verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. I know Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore no condemnation. So he that believes in Christ is not condemned, but those that do not believe in him are condemned already. No matter what's going on, they're already condemned. No matter how good they are, they're already condemned. Um, because he has not believed in the, the name of the only begotten Son of God. Uh, you know what? It, it comes through. It, we, first of all, we cannot live a morally pure life outside of Christ. But by the grace of God, amen. But uh, there is not a more egregious act than that of denying the sacrificial gift of Jesus Christ. There is no forgiveness outside of that. That's why the Bible says those that do not believe, those that do not accept Christ, are condemned already. 
Doesn't matter how much money you give to the church. Although I don't mind getting some sinner money occasionally. But it's not going to buy your way into heaven. Uh, but but I, and, and it's not, it doesn't matter how morally good you are, how many charities you support, how many uh, orphanages you create. It doesn't matter. None of that matters if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. That's a fundamental. It's a fundamental. We have to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As we go along this morning, hopefully that will become more clear. Well, Pastor, this is very basic. Yes, it is. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come into the world, but to kill, steal, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I'm glad it in there because Jesus said, But that I come into the world that you may have life. Y'all can help me this morning. We're small. And have life more... Now, I, I want to I cover that they, help me with that word, may. I have come into the world that they may have life. See, because Jesus has come into the world, we now have choices. The enemy has come but to kill, steal, and destroy. There's no choice in that. When, when you're connected with the enemy, he is going to do what he does. Uh, it, it's amazing to me how shocked the church gets... When the devil does what the devil does. If you ever wonder what the enemy is up to in your life, there's only three things. Kill, steal, and destroy. Well, I wonder what the old devil's up to. I can answer that question for you. He's killing, stealing, and destroying. He's destroying families. He's killing dreams and visions. He's, he's destroying lives. He comes in the world, but not but for three things. Kill, steal, and destroy. He's stealing joy. We, we don't have to wonder what he's doing. But Jesus said, it's all right. Because it, right in the middle, he stepped into that sentence and says, but I come. Now you have a choice. You may have life. God said, I set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. Choose Aren't you glad that he kind of gave us a nudge and said, by the way, except before you life and death, hey, the right answer here, choose life. And you know, it's important that he said that because some doctrine will come along and say, we have to choose the way of death. <laughs> so God said, I said before you life and death, by the way, be smart about this one. Choose the way of death. Choose the way of life. And, and so God has called us to walk in life. And so uh, that's what Jesus was all about. So, but, but can I tell you that you can't start teaching salvation in the New Testament only. If you're going to begin with salvation, you have to understand it goes all the way back to Genesis. Genesis, it wraps up in we're going to, these are our bookmarks, by the way, these base speakers, Revelations. So it begins in Genesis, it wraps up in Revelations. It, some have called it the crimson thread that is sown throughout the Bible. The, the thread of the blood sacrifice 
that holds the whole Bible together. If you take that doctrine out, all of it falls apart. You can teach everything you want to teach, but if you take the blood sacrifice, the crimson thread, out of the Bible, it all falls apart. It is the, it is the central doctrine that holds the whole Bible together. And outside of that, we will have, uh, we will not, you cannot have salvation. Uh, John chapter 14 says, uh, verses 5 and 6, Thomas speaking, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus Christ, not only, we, we talk about that he leads the way, that he shows the way, that he points the way, that he guides the way, and all those things are true. But that's insufficient. Jesus said, I am the way. So that, what does that mean, Pastor? It means that we have to walk in Christ. Because when we're walking in Christ, we're walking in the way. So uh, when, when we, we don't know where to go, just stay in Christ. I don't know what to do next, stay in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, you're in the way. I, I, I get that question occasionally, Pastor, I don't know what to do. And I don't always have a quick, succinct answer, do this, do that. I wish I did. I wish I were smarter. But the one truth that I do know to be true is whatever you do, stay in Christ. I had a, a pastor one time call and say, you know, Pastor, I, I don't know how you do the ministry. I've been doing just a little while, uh, and, and, and pastoring is like a roller coaster. And it is. I mean, you're up this week. <laughs> Life's going good. Church services were great. People get saved. I mean, you feel like a million dollars in the next week. Where all those people got saved last week? <laughs> what happened? Where, where, where did that energy and passion that lit the church on fire last? What happened? It's a roller coaster. You, you, you leave a, a celebration of, of a newborn child and you get in the car to get a phone call of someone that's passing away and you rush to sit by the bedside of a saint. It's a roller coaster. And as a pastor, I don't know how you handle it. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you can, uh, can walk through that. And I said, well, the one thing I, I, first of all, I don't really do roller coasters very much. I never have, even when the bar would shut. <laughs> Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. There's the signs that you have to be this tall. It doesn't say this wide. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> uh, but, but that's all right. They, they didn't keep me off of roller coasters because of any other reason. I'm just not a big fan. But, but I do know this about roller coasters. And that's what I told uh, this pastor. I said, the one thing I know about roller coasters is the worst thing to do would be to jump out. <laughs> Sometimes in ministry, you just got to hang on. Uh, because if you bail out, you're going to get hurt. Can I tell you, it's the same thing in salvation. 
You got sometimes, listen, I, I, it gets rough, it gets tough. You're going around bends and you don't know what's coming next. You're doing somersaults and upside down. All I can tell you to do is hang on. But if you hang on, amen, we're going to get through this thing. And, and so, uh, you know, God has called us into salvation. He's called us to, 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 to accept Jesus Christ. Uh, now, here's the crux of where we're going to dig a lot of our truth out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21 and 22. For since by man came death. Who's he talking about? Give me some scholars. Adam. Since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam... All die. And in Christ, they shall be made alive. Uh, I want to talk just a minute about the second Adam. That's what the Bible calls Christ. He refers to him as the second Adam. Because if we don't understand what was lost, we were singing a while ago uh, a song about being redeemed. Redemption. We talk about a lot about restoration. Can I? We talk about revival. You've heard me saying here before that revival is for the church uh, because you can't revive what was never alive. The impact of revival affects the world, but revival is for the church. You can't revive someone that's never been saved spiritually. You can get them saved. <laughs> Uh, but but what are we what are we reviving? What are we restoring? What are we redeeming? And, and so Christ wants to redeem what was lost. I, I'm going to get a couple of volunteers to help me this morning, and and, and I get picked on by my family because I have a hard time with the macaw. In fact, Megan used to send me flashcard pictures. <laughs> Uh, but so I'm going to try to do this this morning. Benjamin, am I right? Yeah. All right. Hallelujah. Evan? Evan, am I right? All right. See there, you, you lose because uh, I knew your name. Uh, Y'all come up front and help me a minute. That's all right. Listen, I have two kids and struggle with their name. How am I supposed to remember Monica's 14? I'm picking on her a little bit. Um, Y'all can come down here. You can't come up here. You're not, you're not ordained. You gotta... <laughs> um, hey, y'all, act like you love each other. Y'all stand right over here. Come up. There you go. Now, uh, one of these, let's make Benjamin... Adam, you're Adam. That's not a bad thing to be. And, but that makes you the big guy in the story. You're Jesus. So we've got Adam and we've got Jesus. We've got the first Adam. We've got the second Adam. Um, and, and, and they both have roles to play. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions and when I say something that doesn't apply to either of them, then you tell me which one of them it doesn't apply to, and that person can, can be seated. 
uh, because I want us to see the correlation of the first atom and the second atom. So let me, because I, I, I jotted down a few up here this morning, um, actually from a uh, Who Am I skit. But my time on earth did not begin in a natural way because I had no earthly father. First Adam, second Adam. Both Adams. Both Adams. That applies to both of them. Neither of them had a natural father. Both of them were divinely created. Okay? I, we're going somewhere because I want you to see what God did. And I want you to see what God restored. Um, I, I was made in the image of God. Both Adams. Made in the image of God. Um, I'm, I'm trying to help you along with this test. And in fact, most of the answers are going to be both atoms. Um, so, <laughs> you, 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 you ought to be able to pass this. Uh, I was created innocent and without sin. Both of them were innocent and without sin. Um, uh, in my innocence, now here it gets tricky, think of, but you got to think, put on your thinking caps. In my innocence, I was tested by a serpent in the garden. Think about it. How about both atoms? <laughs> How about both atoms? Both atoms were tempted by a serpent. And, and, and uh, so they both faced a temptation. Um, uh, he made one of one or both made an important decision that involved a tree. Both that I gave you all the answers. Uh, <laughs> both Adams made an important decision that involved a tree, didn't they? Um, and, and and both of the both of the um, Adams. Decisions had eternal consequences. Okay? Think about this. While I was asleep, my side was pierced, and when I awoke, I had a bride. <laughs> Both Adams. Both Adams. Um, so, so both Adams... Uh, after they awoke, was given a bride uh, that they could be one with. I was given authority and dominion over all of God's creation. Both Adams. The uh, reason I want you to see this, a lot of people don't really get the parallel of the first Adam and the second Adam. And what, why was it important that Christ become the second Adam? And, and how, what was God doing through Adam, through Christ, uh, that affects us? Um, here we go. Your answer may change. I remained without sin and became a sacrifice for man. Second Adam. Sorry, Adam. You failed that one test. Come on. Give him a hand clap. You can go sit down. Uh, <laughs> Not you, man. You didn't fail. <laughs> well, yeah, we're fixing to nail you to a tree. This thing's got to get real. Um, now, now the so so uh, the second Adam did 
what the first Adam failed to do. Why? So that the second Adam could restore what the first Adam lost. I, I want you to understand that. So through, that's why the Bible teaches us, Pastor, this is basic teaching. That's right. We're back to the basics. That's why that when we're born in the flesh, all flesh is born as an offspring of the first Adam. That's how God designed it. We're all an offspring of the first Adam. So we're all born with the curse of sin in our life. But then we have a spiritual birth called salvation where we move from out of the first Adam and we step in. Jesus said, I'm the way. So we step in Christ. We step out of the first Adam and we step in Christ. Because God loved us so much and God desired so much to have communion with mankind. And so God made a temporal provision for the first Adam through the sacrifice of sheep and lambs and doves. He made a temporal sacrificial system that would allow us to cover our sins for a moment so that we could commune with God. But it was insufficient to replace what God, because God didn't lose an earthly animal, he lost mankind. So the earthly animal, while it was an insufficient sacrifice, it taught us the, 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 the need for a permanent blood sacrifice. And the only way that there could be a permanent blood sacrifice was to have a person that was sinless and remained sinless and then went to the altar and said, I did what the first Adam could not do. I lay myself down a sacrifice for mankind. Could that have been someone born? No. Why? See, I hear people all the time, well, if, if, if somebody here on earth could have just lived a sinless life, they could have paid the sacrifice for sin for mankind. First of all, I think 7,000 almost years of history, or 6,000 plus years of history, has taught us that nobody can be sinless. Not even your wife. Regardless of what she thinks. <laughs> Not even your husband. Regardless of what he thinks. How many has ever met somebody and they think that they've been sinless? And through that spiritual authority, they judge sin for everybody else. And, of course, that in and of itself is often sin. But so Christ, so we couldn't become uh, the sacrifice for mankind no matter how good we were, no matter how perfect we were. Why? Because we were born into sin. So God said, that's why, I, I, 
this may seem basic, but I want our people to understand the basics. That's why we could, uh, Jesus could not have had an earthly father. That's why, because the bloodline comes to the father. That's why he could not have had an earthly father. That's why it's important. Because let me tell you, there's doctrine that goes around today. I'm going to sit down in a minute. It gets hard standing up here, doesn't it? Um, that's why it's important, because there's doctrine in the churches today, not in our fellowship, but there's doctrine in the churches today that tell you that, uh, well, Mary wasn't really a virgin. That's common. A lot of people are teaching that. That that's, that, that that's symbolic, that that's not true. Uh, scientifically, it's not true. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that scientifically cannot happen. But it still did. Supernatural is the, is, is the uh, act of suspending the natural and inserting the supernatural. And so supernatural is always outside of science. That's okay. So uh, it, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of people, that, and I want you to understand as a, as a fellowship and as a church, no. Why do we have to reject that, G, that Mary was not a virgin? Because if, Mary, if, if Christ had been conceived by Joseph, it wouldn't have mattered. You could still argue, yeah, but he still led a sinless life. It doesn't matter. He was born of the first Adam. So he had to be conceived in the way that he was conceived uh, through divinity so that he could become the perfect man, not born into sin, not tempted into sin, tested by sin, but in all points remain pure so that one day he could walk to the altar of God on Calvary and he could lay down his life as the perfect sacrifice. And for that one moment in all of humanity, God took all of the sins of all of the world. That's why the Bible talks about that he took our sins on his shoulder. He took all the sins of all of humanity and he placed it on Christ's shoulder. And then he did something almost unthinkable. As a father, while his son was bleeding and dying, he turned his back because he could not look at the sin, because sin always separates flesh, mankind, Emmanuel, God born in the flesh. And until he died, <laughs> that sin had to cover him. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then he declared <laughs> in his last words, the words that would have been printed on a receipt, redemption, he said, it is finished the transaction is complete and God hallelujah 
quickly turned back to his son. And such a violent earth shook under the power of the God of the universe. And the mountains rent and the rocks broke. I think back when Jesus just a few days earlier told the people at the, um, his entrance into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, if you don't worship me, the rocks will cry out. <laughs> and when God turned back to his son after the statement of it is finished, it is complete, the Bible tells us that the rocks cried out <laughs> in praise, hallelujah, and rent because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, we won't really say thank you. Evan done a great job, didn't he? Now, I want to help us to understand this morning. Because I, I, I don't want there to be confusion. When somebody wants to talk to you about salvation, I want you to understand the path of salvation. Why? That it has to come. That's why Jesus Christ taught us. Let me tell you, every, every religion, Buddhism, Islam, Every religion has a way that they would lead, say is their pinnacle, is their, is, their, is their truth that would lead you to whatever their salvation experience would look like. But only in Christianity can we point to the path, the way of Jesus Christ, that he paid the price that nobody else could pay. And he restored what Adam had lost. And so uh, we, have, we have the way. No one comes to the Father, he said, but by me. I'm going to give you a few points about salvation this morning. First of all, the doctrine of salvation is preeminent. It is above every other teaching and doctrine. I said early on that the church often has a propensity or a, uh, a, a failure to, to major on the minors. We get away from the teaching of salvation. You look at the messages that the, the disciples, the apostles, John the Baptist repeatedly taught and were spread throughout Scripture. They were generally about salvation and repentance and accepting Jesus Christ. We like to teach about everything else. But can I tell you, I think it's okay. Uh, I've heard people criticize Billy Graham because he preached the salvation message over and over and over and over and over again. But how many knows that that's what I think that the church has to be based on? We have to be able to teach and preach. And, and yes, it hurts my heart that we go uh, way too long of periods as a body of believers and as a fellowship where we're not seeing people saved because that is the fundamental commission of what the church is supposed to do. We can do a lot of good things. We can help the community. We can be involved. We can do all kinds of things. But if we're missing the majors, if we're not leading people into a salvation experience, and it doesn't happen, have to happen just on Sunday morning. 
People need to know there is so much fear and confusion in the world today. There is. People mask it. They hide it. But mankind is fearful of eternity. They, they, they try to block it out and pretend that there is no eternity. But I think deep in the heart of man, we know that there is something beyond what we can see. And for those of us, or those of them, without Christ, those that are without Christ, let me try to say that in a way that doesn't sound wrong. Those that are without Christ, that's a scary thought. Those of us that are in Christ, we know that we cannot be defeated. Because one day we'll leave, we'll step out of this body, but we'll step into our glorious body. We'll step into the presence of God and walk into the presence of God. And we don't have to be fearful of that. We can rejoice in that. Billy Graham tells a story about Albert Einstein taking a train trip. And the conductor was going through the train stamping tickets. He comes to Albert Einstein, uh, as you know, is kind of known for being just kind of um, eccentric, kind of uh, quirky, kind of just always had his mind on evidently a million things. Um, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to even say. All those things fit. So the conductor comes to Albert Einstein and he, he said, I need your ticket. And Albert Einstein, he's feeling his breast pocket. He's feeling his pockets. He's looking through his satchel and he can't seem to find his ticket. And the conductor said, it's all right, sir. We all know who you are. We're sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. He goes on to the next seat and he's punching tickets and he gets to the front of the train. And he sees Albert Einstein down there on the on the floor crawling around looking under the seat and he said sir please don't worry about it we know who you are he said well, I know who I am too but I don't know where I'm going <laughs> how many knows that that's a picture of mankind we know who we are but it brings panic when we realize we don't know where we're going. And only through the doctrine and the teaching of salvation can we know in whom we have believed. And we are persuaded that he is able to keep those things which we have committed unto him against that day. So the doctrine in our fellowship is called one of the fundamental no, it's called one of the cardinal truths. We have 16 fundamental truths, and of the 16 fundamental truths, I'm preparing you all for an exam. There are four cardinal truths. Salvation, and really I feel like salvation should be set in a whole separate category away from the others because really it is the central truth. It is one of our cornerstone principles. Yet, I don't know if it just sometimes feels too mundane to preach and teach week after week after week after week. But that is the message that God, God has given the church a message of salvation. There are a lot of stories in the Bible. 
There are a lot of lessons. There are a lot of life lessons that we can take from the Bible. A lot of things we can study and, and apply to our life today. But if you read this Bible from cover to cover, there is only one central theme. Salvation through Jesus Christ. The Old Testament looked ahead for a Savior. Foreshadowed with animal sacrifices, annual animal sacrifices, weekly and daily animal sacrifices. Looking for, in fact, at one point, I think it was Sarah that got mad at Abraham and said, you and your bloody God. It's all about the blood. But it all looked forward to a time of a, of, a, of a single sacrifice that would cover, that would bring, see, the blood that brings grace, the blood that brings redemption, the blood that releases a power that an animal's blood could not. All of the Old Testament looked for that day, longed for that day. Since Christ, all of humanity has stood on that truth. <laughs> All of us that have been redeemed, we stand on the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So I don't have to go home and sacrifice an animal, a little buster safe. But I'm not sure for how much longer. I might go back to the Old Testament for a few minutes sometimes. But little buster's okay. Your little pets are okay. You don't have to go pick of your, your favorite pet and sacrifice them to cover your sin and yes it was painful so man has stood on that sacrifice and then we've looked forward we've been spiritually redeemed and restored but we still live in a world that is living under the curse of sin how many ever just think how wonderful it would be to live in a sin-free environment? Sin's gone. Sickness is gone. Sadness is gone. So as we stand on the foundational truth of our salvation, we, we look forward to the time when God redeems the church, which, by the way, is another one of our four cardinal truths the resurrection of the bride secondly not only is it preeminent it is prepared John 14 1 let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe in also in me my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Hallelujah. We have not only a prepared sacrifice in Christ, but we have a prepared way in Christ. 
that we walk in Christ. And, and, and as we walk in Christ, we have not only a prepared sacrifice and a prepared way, but we have a prepared destination. God's taken you somewhere. I see injustice all the time. I see unfairness all the time on this earth. And the only solace we can really take from that is that one day we'll be justified in Christ. We'll, we'll be in Christ. We've been justified, but we'll be in Christ. And we, we're walking in Christ. And we'll be in, we'll be in, the, uh, we'll be in the mansion, the house, the location that he has prepared for us to live in. I believe that there will come a time that we step out as a, as a saved person. If you're hearing me today, you ought to be happy in your heart. If you're not hearing me today, you ought to be pricked in your heart. If you're not saved, we'll step out of this life. I've stood by several that have gone on to be with the Lord and a common question the loved ones often will ask just in the last couple of weeks what happens next what happens to them now and as a person that has accepted Christ and knows God's plan and God's purpose and believe the word of God to be true I believe that this person if they are saved stepped out of this corruptible body it will finish seeing corruption but they have put on incorruption your body in itself speaks of the cost of sin every day dies a little bit more fails a little bit more that's the cost of sin but there will come a time the Paul talks about we'll take off this corruptible <laughs> hallelujah we'll put on the incorruptible why because of salvation because we've accepted Jesus Christ so we have a prepared sacrifice a prepared way to take us to a prepared place. And then lastly, the sacrifice has been prepaid. You're not saved because of how good you are. I believe that as we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we desire to please Him and to serve Him. But it's not through the acts. James said, through my works, I'll show you my faith. They demonstrate my faith in Jesus Christ. Because I'm saved, I'm going to do the works that He did. And Jesus said, you'll do them and even more. I believe that that was referring to the ability to spread the gospel globally. Because Jesus was in one place. You'll, you'll do the things I've done and even greater things than these. And, and, and we get so held up on 
the great miracles that Christ did, but that wasn't his greatest act. His greatest act was what? The gospel message. Yes, he raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus still died in the flesh. That wasn't the end act. The greatest act was the salvation of mankind. And he says, the great things that I do, you will do, and you will do them even more. Why? Why? Because we have the ability right now to spread the gospel all over the globe. Hallelujah. And so Jesus Christ prepaid the cost. I'm going to say something that might hurt somebody's feelings, and you may disagree with me, and you can disagree with me. I don't debate people. I've had people argue with me. And I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I I, got to say this. The sacrifice that Christ paid was for mankind. And we all love our pets and our animals. But they weren't covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. He prepaid the way of salvation for mankind. When he created us, he gave us dominion over all of these things. And they're here for our enjoyment. They're here for our survival. They're here for us to have and to enjoy and to use and to utilize. Not to abuse or take advantage of, but to utilize. God has given us advantage of these things. But, and I want to illustrate that. Another great pastor, I referred to Billy Graham earlier, but another great pastor uh, told a story of a man that came to him and said what many of us feel all the time. He says, Pastor, it doesn't seem to matter how hard I try. I always mess up. How many ever felt that way? Garrett, you better raise your hand. No, no matter how hard I try, I'll raise both hands. And he said to this pastor, he said, and I make such a mess sometimes of my situation until I'm afraid that I'm losing my salvation. And the man said, you see, the pastor said, I have this pet, well-trained pet. He brings me a lot of joy and a lot of pleasure. Completely house-trained, he never has an accident. (laughs) He stays right by my side. He brings me great joy. I have a toddler in the other room that makes a mess all the time. Messes up his diapers. Messes up and strows and tears everything. Constantly into trouble. He said, but when I die, who do you think is going to inherit everything that I have? It won't be this dog. Why? Because I lived and I died not for this dog. This dog lives and dies 
for me, I live and die for that one, humanity. That's what Christ died for you. And if you can get that picture in your heart, it should be a picture of grace. It should be a picture of, okay, Lord, I spilt the milk. I dropped the plate. Jesus comes around, he may, but he comes around with a big old broom, sweeps up the mess, cleans you up, wipes you down, and puts you back out. Why? Because he loves you that much. If you're one of his, I, I, I've heard it said, I was looking, we have, my wife uh, has pictures on our refrigerator. Many of you are on our refrigerator. <laughs> and and, hey and I, I, I've heard it said that um, if, if God had a refrigerator, <laughs> your picture would be on it. Because he thinks that much of you. And he loves you that much. So I don't know. I, I pray this morning. We're going we're gonna to close here. I pray this morning that I haven't been just too redundant. And I know I've talked about a subject we, many of us, know and understand. But we need to understand that Christ died for our sins. So without Christ, without salvation, the Bible says that we are dead. We're dead. We're walking dead men. We just need to lay down. We're condemned. But the Bible also says that in salvation or in Christ, there is no condemnation. There is conviction. Condemnation. When a man's been condemned and he's been sentenced, he's doomed, he's dead. Conviction. <laughs> Makes you want to do better. Can condemnation means it's it's over that's why there is no condemnation in Christ where the Bible says that without Christ we're a slave to sin we're a slave to Satan we are hopeless without an end I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me this morning because I don't want to miss this opportunity and maybe you're even watching online this morning I want you to, and your family, if you're together, to bow your heads. Maybe you're watching even at a later time, and that's okay. You're not watching us live. Take this serious if the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart. I want to ask you this morning, are you sure of your salvation? Do you know in whom you have believed? Is your hope firmly set in Jesus Christ? Or this morning, maybe you're struggling to just live a good life, but you've really never accepted Christ as your Savior. It's futile. It's futile. So I'm going to give you a challenge this morning. If you're here this morning, if you're here, and I won't embarrass you, but you want to say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. 
Pray for me as I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to surrender my life to Jesus this morning. Would you slip your hand up as just an act of surrender? Thank you. Are there others? Thank you. God bless you. Are there others this morning? I surrender. Lord, I surrender. I want us to, maybe you're watching online and you raised your hand. God bless your heart. We love you this morning. We love you this morning. Jesus loves you this morning. And that's what's really important. I want us to pray together. Would you look just to be comfortable for everybody in the room? Can we all just repeat this prayer together? Dear Jesus. I thank you for your sacrifice. And I ask that your sacrifice cover my sin. And I surrender my way to your way. Live in me. And let me live in you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And I will confess you to those that I meet. And we thank you, Lord, for being our Savior and for giving our sins. And we celebrate our new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that this morning, the salvation is so simple that we miss it. And the problem is sometimes we think, well, that was too simple. And that's because God designed it to be simple. ABC, accept, believe, confess. Accept Jesus Christ. Believe that he is your Savior and confess him to, other, to the world. If you did that this morning, you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you're here this morning, and I'm just, we're, we're wrapping up. You've been sitting a minute, so stand, stand with me. Maybe you're here this morning. I've, I've got needs. I've got things on my heart. Some I cannot share. But they're real. And, I, and I'm sure because you live in the same world that I live in and you deal with the same devil that I deal with, I'm sure that there are many in this room in similar situations. And the enemy has come in sometimes like a flood. <laughs> this has been one of those weeks where it feels like the enemy's come in like a flood. They've been in a flood water coming from every angle. You plug one leak over here and another one pops over there. You plug that leak and another one pops over there. But God said, Hallelujah. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, I will raise a standard. The standard was the marker that identified 
when they would march into battle, they would be under a standard that would say Judah or Benjamin or whatever tribe that they were representing. God said, when your enemy comes in like a flood, I will raise my standard against him. So maybe you're here this morning and you think, I'm, I'm being flooded. God, raise a standard against Satan today. Raise a standard against my enemy today. God, as you raise your standard, I know, God, that devils tremble. God, that the enemy will retreat in fear. So, Father, this morning, God, I raise a standard of Jesus Christ, of the blood of Jesus Christ against every lie and accusation of the enemy. Father, I speak right now life. I speak life and life more abundantly to all that are in this house, all that are watching online. I speak life and life more abundantly. Rest in peace. Know that God has it under control. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, Father, I pray the blessing and the favor of God over this house this morning. God, that you would just continue. I speak right now complete healing. I, I, I don't feel like the Holy Spirit was done yet. I'm sorry. But if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I, I want you to lay hands on me and pray for me. I, I don't want you to miss that opportunity. I'm going to give you just obedience. I want, I want somebody to lay hands on me and pray for me. Why don't you step out real quick and come to the front? I don't want you to leave here and say, I didn't have an opportunity to come to the altar. We'll wait about 30 seconds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are there others? Are there others? 